Welcome to Hallowed Be Thy Game. Hello and welcome to Hallowed Be Thy Game, the podcast that aims to bring you the feel-good stories that bring you back to the heart of sport. That's right, and each week we'll be diving into the best goals, tries, set pieces and headlines from the week's sporting action. And with the help of a few special guests along the way, we'll be digging out some remarkable stories that show you the true power of sport. Coming up on today's show... We'll be selecting our England squad for the Euros as well as reflecting on some of our favourite moments from Season 1 of Hallowed Be Thy Game. We'll be reviewing the best stories from last week's sporting events, including the best of the action from the Athletics indoor trials and Jesse Lingard's return to form. And I will be putting Mark and Josh's knowledge of the footballing laws to the test in another round of Ref Watch. So sit back and enjoy the sixth and final episode of the first season of Hallowed Be Thy Game. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here to play. Hallowed be thy game. Hello everyone, I'm Josh and welcome to the sixth episode of Hallowed Be Thy Game and the final one of our first series. I've had a lot of fun reliving some incredible sporting moments on this series and I know two other people who have as well. So let's allow them to strut their stuff as they metaphorically walk in to their entrance music. Mark Wakefield, our resident Liverpool fan. I mean, I say strut. This will be more like a a disheartening saunter for you. Uh, Here we go. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Things can only get better for me, a Liverpool fan. Um, I have no words. Yeah, that was Things Can Only Get Better by Dream. I think that's how you say it, unless it's Dream. Either way, it's a terrible name. But Mark, after a terrible run of form, our resident Liverpool fan, it got worse for you as Liverpool lost at home to their city rivals, Everton. For the first time since 1999. Mm-hmm. And wow. I say things can only get better. I mean, that's kind of an air of the blind, never-ceasing optimism of an Enneagram Type 3. Um, it could get way worse for you, Mark, I'm not going to lie. But yeah. <laughs> I've, actually, um, I've actually gone off football, so I don't mind. <laughs> About, I've stopped. I'm really into, uh, really into um, tennis right now. So, um, yeah, come on, Djokovic. She's my new team. You'll never walk alone, Djokovic. You'll never walk alone. <laughs> well, Mark, you may not have enjoyed that intro, but actually, you might enjoy this one. Oh, um, come on. Nick. Oh, no. Nick Elliott. Uh, oh. Last week, we caught the recording of uh, what Alison shouted at Quebec. Well, this week, unfortunately <laughs> for you, uh, the artist behind this track managed to capture what Minamino said to taunt Mendy in the Chelsea goal as he sold him a devastating dummy before putting the ball into the back of the net (laughs) (laughs) that's sit down by James and that's exactly what Mendy did (laughs) (laughs) he did indeed he absolutely sat him and one of our fullbacks down um (laughs) Hats off to the boy because he couldn't do it at Liverpool because they're just as rubbish as we are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to see our low knees flourish. Though. That is a, yeah. that is a one plus. And if they're gonna yeah. if they're gonna do something for you know at least you know their 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 efforts could be at least stopping Chelsea from 
I don't know, getting mid-table? Is that where Chelsea are now? I don't know what you... <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> no, I've actually been on a good run, though, with Tuchel. That's the first, isn't that the first goal in open play he's conceded, I think? Or... It is indeed. So, it is indeed. Not too bad, but a brilliant finish from Minamino. And yeah. we love we love the best goals. And when I saw that one go in, it was like, oh, oh. It was, it was it hurts, art in it? motion, that. Yeah. It's like a FIFA goal, that one. It's like you just <laughs> yes. do the little fake shot and then the keeper's like... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. One more time, what's the what's the keeper... Is that a, is that official, that keeper noise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like... <laughs> okay, there's that what makes sense. All keepers okay. do that yeah, noise, yeah. do not know. I think That's, every listener uh, to the podcast <laughs> can actually visualise exactly what keepers do with the help of that noise there, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here all the time, guys, so anytime you need advice like that, just <laughs> let me know. Uh. <laughs> so draw for Chelsea uh, Liverpool a devastating defeat obviously the first time you've lost that derby in 10 years I think now isn't it as well so yeah it, there was there was more promising signs against uh, Leipzig in the Champions League yeah man we looked at a completely different side and I don't necessarily think that has anything to do with like the selection or anything like that like we just had a bit of confidence. I think we've been ripped apart a few too many times in the Prem, a few too many times at Anfield, that coming back there to a very out-of-form Everton side was apparently too much power for us to handle. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Klopp thought it was an FA Cup game? Because it doesn't really bother in those, does he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he may well have done. He may well have done. Oh, well, we, we, we spoke about form and the Premier League. So it naturally leads us on now to talk about our Premier League well, Matty Dubois. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Would you stop it? We don't mention that name around here. You have no authority here, Matty Dubois. <laughs> <laughs> Read the bylaws, Nick. <laughs> Read and understand them. <laughs> oh, I hope our listeners have TikTok. Uh, football predictions Uh, I had a terrible week and only got three points Mark had a terrible week and only got three points Nick for his standard actually had a pretty good week and he only got three points (laughs) (laughs) yeah we all had a shock finally hit some form finally (laughs) yeah we actually all three of us scored three points we got a draw yeah I mean and we all Basically, we all got the Leeds game wrong. We all got the Liverpool-Everton game wrong, which makes sense. Uh, pretty drab performance from all of us. And I'm just so sad I, I couldn't catch Josh on the on the last mm. week. Yeah, me too, man. <laughs> me too, man. It was t- yeah. t- touch and go for a while. but It truly was. <laughs> and uh, our, our guest from last week, Mark Vigil, whose favourite current Arsenal player is Thierry Omri, Alexander Head <laughs> and <laughs> Freddie Youngberg, <laughs> managed to get an eye-watering six points. Wow, very strong. Each of our scores, including one of the most one of the most heartbreaking things about it uh, was I opened it up and saw Mark with six points, and I freaked out. I was like, "I've nailed it! I've gone and killed it!" And it's Mark V. Outrageous, Nick. (laughs) I taunted you on the show. Mark taunted you on the show for your three-three prediction. At Burnley West Brom like where are those all the goals are going to come from and what's so annoying is like we were so right and yet because of the rules of this game you get a point for correctly guessing that they were going to draw <laughs> I think you're you're more so annoyed than I am <laughs> that I got the point I am annoyed yeah. yeah of course you got a point 
<laughs> Why would yeah. I not be annoyed? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, I knew it was going to be a draw, and you never know where it's going to be goals. My dad, right, he always used to sit in the armchair and go, this game's going to be 4 all. I'd be like, what? What? And it'd be 4 all. So, and I, he'd always have a thing about a 4 all draw. Did so. he ever get it right? Yeah, sometimes he did, yeah. Sometimes, what, several, on several occasions? How several many four all draws have there been? Yeah. This is if I was sat next to him that moment that Arsenal four 0 up against Newcastle, I'd yeah. turn to him and be like, "Don't you dare! Don't you dare! Don't you dare!" <laughs> Don't you dare. I think a it was a... <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like a last game of the season, West Brom Man United, when Lukaku was at West Brom. It was five yeah. all. The, he, um... he spoke that before that happened. It was that yeah, Ferguson's right. last game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what a yeah, legacy! I'm, I'm pretty sure my dad said to me. It's going to be five all this. And I went, oh, whatever, mm. whatever. And it was. Yeah. Insanity. So. Insanity. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, Mark and Nick, neither of you managed to get more than one point for a single game. I managed just because I predicted that Man City would get three goals against Everton. But other Again, than that, terrible fixed. week. Apart from Mark Vigil, who correctly guessed that the Burnley-West Brom game would be nil-nil, so he gets three points there. Apart from Mark Vigil, who correctly guessed... The, the Burnley West Brom game would end nil nil, so he gets three points there. Outstanding. To be fair, though, can't believe it. Can't believe to it. To be fair, though, I I don't think you need to be a football fan to predict that clearly there would be no goals whatsoever in the West <laughs> Brom Burnley match. Yeah, we were all fools. <laughs> we were. We were. <laughs> but that leads us to the overall table for the end of the season now. Come on. And Nick, I have wonderful news for you. We're scoring you it like golf. Finish. Yeah, we scored like. <laughs> oh, that's what you've been thinking with the game all along. Yeah, yeah, Either like, way, you still wouldn't have won zero, if that was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Meg finishes bottom with two. Meg Dios. Thank you, Meg. Also, for a resident host and uh, the only person in our podcast that has any form of professional employment through football, you got three point <laughs> six points. <laughs> but it shows, gentlemen, in the it's table. just another reason why I should stick to refereeing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true, very true. And don't get in, don't get into match fixing because no one will believe what you fix. <laughs> <laughs> so unlikely. <laughs> And unfortunately for Mark and I, both our average scores went down this week, but it means that Mark stays in fourth place with 4.6 points. I am third with 5.2 points, and our joint top spot goes to Kath Bishop and Mark Vigil with six points. The winners of Series 1. Unbelievable. How how do we decide an ultimate winner? Can we put can we put Mark Vigil in a boat and let Kath Bishop do some improvised stand up? Yeah, and, just, and then we just decide who does the best. All right, let's yeah, let's phone those guys back and get them on next next time round <laughs> and, and organise that. Hi <laughs> right, Mark, find a boat. <laughs> Hi Mark, thanks for joining the podcast. If you could find a boat, that'd be yeah. great. <laughs> but uh, uh, some interesting stats. Um, if you're diving into it, we all had our best week in week one. Yeah. And then it got progressively worse. So weird. So that weird. That is exactly the same as fantasy football, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it starts yeah, exactly. so well, and then it just goes completely <laughs> downhill. 
I wonder whether it's that more predictable results happen and there've been more shocks than the ones. But I don't know. Or maybe we were just great in that first one and we put research in, <laughs> and then after that we sort of quickly scrambled in our results like minutes before the interviews began. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, it's not flattering. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. But just to point out, guys, as well, if if we weren't averaging scores, if we were just doing the highest score achieved. <laughs> And uh, now won. it's time to move on to our next <laughs> section. <laughs> eight points, eight points. <laughs> Congratulations, well done, Josh. Well done. well done. The one who created the game ended up winning it. Yes. Well done. <laughs> what a shot. <laughs> anyway, it's now time for our hallowed headlines. The Australian Open comes to a close with Naomi Osaka claiming her second Australian Grand Slam title in the women's singles while Novak Djokovic wraps up an incredible ninth title down under. Jasmine Harrison becomes the youngest female solo rower to cross the Atlantic. British snowboarder Cody Bramwell earns his first victory at the Free Ride World Tour in Andorra. In the America's Cup, Ben Ainsley's Team Ineos claim their first Prada Cup final win. Hallowed be thy game. Some incredible hallowed headlines there from some of the more left-field sporting events in uh, the the British sort of sporting calendar. So now it's going to be fun to watch Mark, Nick and I, who know absolutely nothing about any of these really, talk mm-hmm. about them mm-hmm. Can't wait. Um, in our hallowed headlines analysis. Um, I know we're going to talk about tennis. Shock no, 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 I'm talking tennis. about tennis. No, I'm, tennis. tennis. <laughs> I'm really actually impressed with Novak Djokovic because this is yeah. <laughs> Naomi Osaka is really good. <laughs> I played tennis once. I enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is the problem with getting three guys who just like football to do an all sports podcast. Yeah. This is Whose idea was this? Whose silly idea? I think it was Kevin Friend. <laughs> <laughs> Josh's close mentor and personal oh, friend. <laughs> Oh, we go way back <laughs> way back way way back Ooh, go on and Mark um, talk to us about the tennis love to um, so tennis is a game played on a uh, on a grass clay mm-hmm. uh, pitch um, and you hit strike a grass a gr- clay pitch a grass or clay pitch grass or clay pitch any okay. other surfaces available yeah the blue one <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, um, no, but uh, yeah, Novak Djokovic, um, it, yeah, with his 18th Grand Slam, that's pretty incredible. I don't know what mm. it is about Novak Djokovic. I think because when I was a kid, it was Federer and Nadal, and then Djokovic kind of came into the conversation. And, and I never think of him in that bracket of like the goat of tennis, and yet mm. he is definitely in that conversation. Like he is mm. up there alongside greats, like certainly the modern greats right now. Um, you know, the greatest of our time, like looking at Nadal and Federer and, and Djokovic, those are the three, right? Um, as a Brit, we'd like to add Murray in there, but we can't really. Um, but like the three greats of, of our time in tennis, it's amazing to see Djokovic do so well and be so consistent um, and and be so athletic as well. Like, you've seen the splits this guy draws in like every game. <laughs> it's insane. I want a pair of his shoes. Uh, but it is very impressive. <laughs> Um, and again, and, and a very impressive performance from Naomi Osaka as well. Yeah, Osaka is, I mean, you talk about Djokovic being a great, Osaka at 23, like she's really got the, the world at her feet. Yeah. She's the first female singles player to win her first four Grand Slam finals since 
Uh, Monica Sellers did it in 1991. Like, you know, wow. she's she's kicking off strong, mm. you know, knocking yeah. out uh, Williams as well on the way to this, who who sort of like intimated that she was going to retire after this. I'm like, please don't, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The world of tennis is not ready to lose a Serena Williams yet. Like, <laughs> But um, but it's, like a, it's, a, it's a second uh, Australian title, which obviously got the US one as well. Credit to her because I think for any, any uh, athlete to perform at an elite level in this current circumstance where they had to so- self-isolate as well and the yeah. whole sort of like disruption around the build-up to a tournament that's really different this year compared to in previous ones obviously and yeah. to still be able to like channel get your a game on and come home with the grand slam title almost that mental ability is what what really pulls out your great sort of talent from the great kind of champions really you know and elevates you to that sort of status so yeah no mm-hmm. definitely definitely Nick, uh, snowboarder Nick, also um, as we call you off off air. Yeah, uh, you always, you you, always called you Lincoln's Cody Bramwell. That's actually that's your name <laughs> in my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you want to know, boys? What do you want to know? Do you want to know about Cody Bramwell winning uh, the free ride world tour? Do you want to know about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, where, where was, was it? it? Where was it? it? Well, it was. No on way did we just do that at the same the, time. That's on, freaking on hilarious. Snow. On the snow, uh, it was Andorra. Andorra, Andorra. Uh, very good. mountainous area. How many um, how many backflips did he do? He did a lot. Uh, <laughs> too too many to count. Too many. That's good. Um, That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what else is there to say? Really, it's just uh, not much else really. But he did it. One winner. He did he it, did and, it, yeah. and you know what? Good on him. Yeah. You know, well, I think from all from all of us here, at hello be thy game. Well done. <laughs> Big, big, big I, I did actually go snowboarding once. Uh, I went snowboarding once. Yeah, yeah. Um, How'd it go? It was, um, yeah, it was good. It was successful. Uphill's um, tricky, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It, it, uh, like, it's, I mean, it's really bad. It's, like, you think yeah. cycling up a hill is better. Like, that's it's tough. It's tough. I did see Cody Bramwell try going uphill. So, you know, maybe that's one to try next time, Cody. But you know, again, well yeah. done. Maybe we should move on to areas of sport that we're more comfortable with. Um, it's time for this! Redemption Story of the Week. Our redemption story this week is about Jesse Lingard, the newly West Ham player, new new side in there. Yeah, Jesse scored three in four games and he has showed some incredible form and put West Ham in the title race, boys. <laughs> Fourth place. <laughs> what do we think about that then? Hey? This is the thing is that Jesse Lingard has been so surprisingly good. Um joining the West Ham side. Um, I think he'd probably been fishing for a loan out for a little bit, um, not getting much game time at United. And then he's gone to West Ham. And I was so sorry. So this is the first game. I think it was like two goals and an assist or something in his first game. And it was just like, what is happening now? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's just continued that and, and starting to get a bit of confidence and starting to look like the player that was promised to this like, this wonder kid who's been a wonder kid for the last 15 years. Yeah. Uh, we actually look like we got <laughs> look like there's a player who's got a bit of quality to him. Yeah, I think yeah. he's definitely a confidence player, isn't he? I think that's what you, what you look at. He had a real strong period with the England team. I think he's got 10 England caps as well. Um, but in Man United, in the Premier League, so he didn't appear in the Premier League, this season 
Uh, before that, in the 1890 and the 1920s season, he had 49 appearances and contributed just two assists in those 49 appearances. It's and it's clear to see why you fall out of favour, being yeah, on, yeah, like, yeah. you know, where that happens. But as soon as you start missing, you know, so some games, you're not starting. Like yeah, as a 10, and like the pressure's on, you got to come on, you got to create something, you got to score something, you got to get in. If you don't, then you're going to drop and drop and drop. And then when you get someone like Bruno Fernandes come, you know, there's no place yeah, for you really yeah. at all. Yeah. And I feel bad for him because he's a really talented player, but maybe, and I don't mean this in disrespect to anyone, like either to West Ham or to Jesse Lingard, but maybe he's just found a really good place for him to be. Yeah. You know, that maybe totally. that, that's, yeah, that seems like the place that just fits for him right now. A place, a team yeah. that's going to believe in him, give him the starts, give him the sort of permission to run in behind yeah. the defense to sort of like get onto the end of a, of a, a knockdown from Bowen or whatever and like, and, and put pressure yeah. on and be sort yeah. of seen as a bit of the golden kid. And, and yeah, Moyes exactly. obviously likes yeah. him. And the thing is, we saw a very similar story at the start of the season with Barkley at Villa. Um, somebody fallen out of favour at a big side, gone on loan to a mid-table Prem side and playing some great football with them. And, you know, you look at Villa and you look at West Ham, two of the most improved sides from last year. It's incredible. I'd see these two, you know, English guys on loan there doing so well. Um, very similar players, really, in some ways. Um, doing some great stuff. It's it's so good. And the thing is, as well, is you can almost widen that redemption story to West Ham because, like you're saying, they're sitting yeah. in fourth. We're over and to we're, David Moyes. And with David Moyes, yeah, totally. He could be the redemption arc here as well. Like, there's so <laughs> much going on at West Ham. It's amazing. Uh, and it, it's really great to see a team that's found a little bit of consistency in a year where consistency is key. Uh, and it's been incredible. We've seen some brilliant performances from Suchek and Cresswell and Soufal and Antonio. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. awesome, awesome. And then add to that list, Loney, Jesse Lingard, doing some wicked stuff. We're going to come to our England squads later in the show. Is there a chance that if Lingard keeps up this form, he could force his way into the Euros? If he keeps his form, he's going to be on the radar, right? Surely. Yeah, You've course, got to pick yeah. on form and... If he keeps it up, if he keeps pushing, maybe. He's got some big hitters ahead of him. Um, he's got to push out Mount, Madison, Grealish, Foden, who are all in really, really good form. So he's mm. he would have to do some serious shifting. But if West Ham finished in Champions League spot and you can say that's down to the influence of a Jesse Lingard, maybe. Maybe. Underdog Story of the Week. Now, underdog story this week comes with a little bit of a twist because this particular event isn't necessarily the underdog story, but it's the story of the guy who's done it. Elliot Giles, Great Britain's track athlete, performed the second quickest indoor 800 metres in history as he set a new British record of the World Indoor Tour um, in Poland, clocking in at 1 minute 43 seconds. Now, the reason this is an underdog story because he's been performing great recently, but the reason this is an underdog story is because six years ago, he could barely walk. Uh, in the summer of 2014, he was hospitalised with head wow. and back and career-threatening leg injuries um, after a car hit his motorbike um, in Birmingham, I think it was, um, and it crushed his knee in between the car and the bike. So he could hardly walk, and the doctors wow. told him he would probably never seriously run again. And that was six years ago. However, he's not just returned to full fitness, but um, you know he's 
smashed um, Sebastian Coe's record uh, by a full second, which is crazy. Uh, it doesn't sound much, but in running, it's a lat. So this guy has, has come from a place of real struggle, a place of saying, lying on a hospital bed saying, you may well never run again, to now holding the British record and the second fastest 800 meter mm. indoor track time of all yeah. time. Mm, no, that's incredible. I do yeah, just have to do a amazing. quick fact check on this though, because um, this section of the podcast has got form for being a little bit, should we say, fictional. Nick Elliott, um, can we confirm? <laughs> <laughs> can I confirm this, this? You know, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, hundred percent. I got his fingerprints. I got eye scan. This guy's yeah. legit. This guy's cool. not. Great. I didn't find him on FIFA. Didn't no. find him on um, Athletics Twenty One. Um, I didn't. <laughs> Didn't find, didn't find on Poland 2021 track events. Yeah, cool. Great right, EA. In no, which this case? Guy's, this guy's legit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's been a brilliant sort of week for, for British athletes, really, as well. Yeah. Um, we've got Holly Mills. Um, she won the, the women's pentathlon, getting a personal best along the way. McKinna beat her indoor shot put best as well. Uh, so she's she's doing really well. There's a whole load of great athletes that are flying in these indoor and European trials at the moment, building towards mm. what hopefully promises to be a brilliant summer of British athletics. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hallowed be thy game. So this is the final episode of our series, which basically means we're going to take a few weeks off. And if, <laughs> if I don't know if it was good enough, if we reflected it and thought we want to do this again, we may come back for a second series at the end of the season. But at which point it'll be too late to pick our England squad. So let's go for it now. So everyone gets to choose their 23-man squad. Obviously, we have to have three keepers in there. But other than that, it's a bit of a free-for-all. Let's start off, I reckon... I'm going to put this out there. I think this is the, the most hotly contested position in the England squad. And I think it's right back. Trying to find mm. the right yeah. people to bring to your squad uh, yeah. is going to be really tricky when there's so many strong contenders. Uh, Mark, you spoke about picking on form. Who, therefore, have you chosen as the right backs to bring along to the European squad? Uh, well, uh, I'd like to eat my own words as I've picked Trent. Um, <laughs> uh, Walker. Great I form, think... really good form. <laughs> no, because right, this, the way I see it is there are six viable right backs who we could all make a case for taking to the tournament. You've got Trent, you've got Walker, you've got Trippier, you've got Wambisaka, you've got Lamptey, um, you've got Reese James, and there's probably others I'm forgetting, um, but like there are so many viable contenders for this part. I just think Trent offers so much, particularly attacking, where you could say, you know, against a stronger team, maybe you play the more solid walker, more defensively solid walker, mm. or maybe you play against a weaker side, someone like Trent who can uh, whip in a, a decent corner, a decent free mm. kick, uh, and offers that extra attacking angle um, with those crossfield balls. Like He offers so much. I don't think there's a case where you don't bring Trent uh, he is, yeah, yeah. from my opinion, England's best right back. Um, and I don't think I'm too crazy saying that. His form is shocking right now. Yeah. It is absolutely <laughs> shocking. Um, and in a, in a defensively leaky England side, that does make me quite scared. Yeah. Um, but with Southgate's system of playing three at the back uh, with the two wing backs, you think maybe Walker playing on the right side of that. 
in an attacking phase, we become a back four with a solid back four and Trent the free man almost. You know, you can totally see that happening. Um, mm. and, and I just think, I just don't see how you can not bring Trent. Yeah. 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 Totally with you there. Yeah, and I think like the other positions in the defence as well, it obviously depend on what formation Southgate is going to go with. The centre backs are the, that that pairing. If say say if we're going to do four at the back, that's also something that's quite um, hotly contested, isn't it? Uh, mm. I've I've gone for Stones, Gomez, uh, Maguire, and I've chucked Tamori in there as well because he's because uh, you're a blue, you know, Ace, you're a AC Milan. Uh, successful at the moment uh, <laughs> and um, you know just getting a bit of a uh, bit of international miles under his belt in, uh, in AC Milan I think we're doing well but uh, yeah like my pairing I- I'm undecided on that centre-back pairing like for the starting 11 I think Gomez mm. for me is a given I think I'm tempted to go Maguire Gomez Maguire what, what do you boys think? Well, Nick, it's a hard question, and I think it's something that all three of us have probably not really thought about hugely deeply because we've all got only four centre-backs in our team. If Southgate does play the three and one gets injured, then we're struggling unless, Mark, you're hoping to emulate Klopp's stroke of genius and slot in Henderson at centre-back as well. Yeah, I think I think for <laughs> me, um, again, if you're looking at, on form, um, like I think Connor Cody it has to be in the conversation. I think I think he's brilliant. Uh, Wolves has struggled. He's a for leader goals. as well. He's a leader. Yeah, hundred percent. And they've all uh, said. I've heard them say that about the England in the England camp that he, you know he's come in. He's barely got any caps, and yet he is such a strong yeah. leader in the, gr- he's in got, the dressing he's room. He's got the he's got the character, and I think uh, you know yeah. Wolves have been struggling going forward, but defensively they've, they've looked good. He's used to playing three in the back. He hasn't played much under Southgate, but. You know, he's used to that system. I think he's got to be in there. Um, and again, on form, you'd probably say Stones and Maguire. But again, I just think Gomez is, is, can be so good. Again, mm. paired alongside someone stronger like Van Dyke, like maybe Cody or Stones or Maguire on the day. Like Again, I think he's, he's got to be in that conversation. It might be my scouse bias, but I do think he's got to be in there. Um, wherever, so Josh, you, you didn't. You've gone for Keane over Gomez, right? Mm, yeah, I mean, Gomez obviously isn't playing, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. form, that's out the window. Um, Keane, oh, he's injured. Oh, no, 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 okay, I've spaced, Gomez <laughs> is injured. I'd like to formally yeah. uh, put in oh. a late submission. <laughs> I didn't reg- think about that. <laughs> I'd like to put in a late oh, squad no. registration change form and I'd like to yeah. swap Gomez for probably what would be an equally... Uh, Debatable move, and I like to put in uh, Tarkowski. So oh, there you go. Oh well, we'll come yeah, to Tarkowski I'll... later. Actually, uh, Nick, you've obviously got Gomez in as well without realizing he's injured. Um, who are you going to? Yeah, swap I'll and take bring him. In? I'll take him in a wheelchair if he needs to come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get on he's the plane. That, he's that key to the system. <laughs> Just uh, lie him down. <laughs> lie him down in front of goal. <laughs> Yeah, Chilwell and Shaw for both me and Nick at left back. Mark, I'm going to come to your surprise left back in a little bit. Um, Let's move on to the midfield because it's hard for us to go anywhere else. All of us fancy Henderson, Rice, Grealish, Foden, (laughs) Mount, Madison. Like, I mean, they are just... Yeah, that's the core. They're they're the the core, core, yeah. And it it is such a wealth of strong attacking players in the middle um with with rice as well who can sort of tidy up and anchor it henderson who does that number eight role so well 
Yeah. You know, I feel like anyone that's going to play alongside them, yeah, you've all, they've almost got a bit of a free role. You know, they're, they're, yeah. with those two doing the work that they do, you could put a Mount, a Grealish, a Madison, a Foden in there. The only problem is, who would you put in? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it, isn't it? The... It's those, crea- those creative players are going to cause Southgate a bit of a problem because they're all very good. They've all got assists and goals in them. And I think, yeah, that there's kind of four that we've put down there mm. uh, that we all agree on, Grealish, Froden, Mountain, Madison, those creative players who want to push forward. Uh, it's a difficult one, but they're on the plane, so that's not our decision. That's up to you, Gareth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's got to be that two of them start, two of them back up, and that decision there is so difficult. Like, mm. I think Grealish has to play. Grealish has been the best... English player this year I think maybe in the same conversation as Kane uh, as well Mm. but um, like Grealish has just been outstanding for Villa like he's pulled that team from relegation fight to um, European contenders and that's crazy Uh, just with his creativity leadership all the stuff we're saying about um, Cody there as well like He's got he's got some stuff uh, that we desperately need Grealish he's got to be the key man got to be the key man for Mm -hmm. me uh, I've also got in there Saka, and I've also got in there Dyer. Um, neither of you have gone for Dyer. This I is think- my thing with Eric Dyer. I know Gareth Southgate always picks him, but I don't know what he brings. He's not a ball-winning midfielder. He's not a ball-playing defender. He's not a a, a ball-playing midfielder. He's just sort of does them all at like a consistent four out of ten. And I don't understand. Yes, he scored one free kick, but I don't understand the dialogue. Uh, I, I think he's all right in that holding midfield. And I think he is versatile, which is what you probably want when you're limited right. to 23 squad players. I think he I think he's sort of worth being there in case of an injury, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's just bring the players who are all right. Let's just do that. that they're all right. Yeah, you're you're all right. You can you're come. Fine. I just I don't I, I don't get it. I don't get it with Dyer. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not pre- a massive fan. Southgate seems to like him. I trust the big man, and Josh oh, likes yeah. him as well, which makes yeah. me trust him less. For me, Sack is obvious. Mark's obviously. I don't Saka, think it's as obvious. But you don't think it's obvious. You've gone for Harvey I Barnes. Think- Stick Harvey Barnes on that plane. Get Harvey the boy Barnes. ticket. Ooh. Harvey Barnes. Um, I think on. I think he's one on form that I would pick. Yeah, yeah. The way that he plays with Madison as well, week in week out, and that bit of chemistry that they will have between them, I think will bring something extra to the squad. Mm. I'm, I'm all for younger players getting on the plane, um, and we do have a young squad anyway. I think, but yeah, yeah. he's what he's what I'd stick on instead of Saka. Sorry, all boys. All right. Well, let's go to the forward line because that is something we can all agree on. Kane, Rashford, Sterling, Sancho, Calvert-Lewin. Yes, I 100% agree with all of those. I I think there's a lot of good names going forward. Um, and that's one of the reasons I've got Saka in there as well is that he can you know supplement that left side pretty well attacking as well. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, they're just the standout candidates, aren't they? Um, yeah. I don't think I don't think you could pick a squad without them. I think the conversation obviously comes around Calvert Lewin. Like maybe is it Ings? 
but he hasn't really had enough game time this year. And when he has, it hasn't been as successful as it was towards the end of, of last season. Again, Callum Wilson, exactly the same. Looks as good at the start of, of this year. Um, and then obviously Vardy, but he's retired and was very selfish with that decision and decided to <laughs> scupper English football. And, you know, he'll have to live with that. But, uh, <laughs> So we've done our defence midfield forward and there's not really much of a debate with the goalkeeper position, I don't think, because again, all three of us have gone for Pope, Henderson and Pickford as our three. So let's move on to the next bit. I challenge the team to try and come up with a wild card pick, not someone that is currently involved really in the whispers of could they make it to the squad maybe someone that's totally left field that is out of that conversation but we could put a decent argument forward for their inclusion in the squad or at least the conversation mark i'm going to start with you i think uh so you mentioned my mystery left back a little while ago and my mystery left back was matt target from aston villa and he's Mm. made it as my backup left back over luke shaw uh, because he has been so impressive in the Acevedo side. Um, Grealish, Martinez, um, Target, all massive standout candidates in that Villa side. Uh, but Target, for me, has just been absolutely brilliant. He's been sensational going forward. He's looked like really solid at the back, and he's kind of emerged this year as, as a regular in a quality Aston Villa side. I, th- I think wildcards are totally people you've you got to look at form, right? That, that's what they are. They're people who you're not thinking about because of their inherent quality necessarily but because of how they've been performing on the pitch throughout the course of the year so Target is, it was my first one and he's actually my only wild card that's made it into my squad Mark you put a very good argument forward for, for Matt Target uh, Nick who is your wild card? My wild card if I was just going to be allowed to pick one it's a very difficult decision, but I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go for Ruben Loftus Cheek and you're... Chelsea Scum. Chelsea Scum. <laughs> Can he get in the? Uh, has he even been playing for Fulham? Can he yeah. get in the Fulham team? Yes. Listen, he's been unlucky with injuries at Chelsea. I remember watching him in the FA Youth Cup final years ago, and we won it seven uh, four against Fulham. Great game. Um, he was young, a lot younger then. He played outstandingly. Um, and since then, I've, he's had a little space in my heart. So um, you can take your little little comments back there, Mark. <laughs> um, um, but listen, uh, since he's gone to Fulham, uh, uh, he hasn't hit any kind of like real form, but I feel like he's brought something to their squad that's just brought them together a bit more. I feel like he's one of those players who's a, a bit of a leader on the pitch. He's a big presence and I like him. So. How would you describe him as a midfielder? Is he creative? Is he dynamic? Is he box to box? Is he defensive? Do you know what? I, I genuinely think he's got a little bit of everything and I think he hasn't found his proper niche yet. Um, I think at Fulham, he's trying to play attacking, isn't he? That He's trying yeah, to like, yeah. push them forward and get the goals. At Chelsea, he was sitting there with Kante in front when he came on um, and yeah. trying to play that holding midfielder. Right. I think he's best at as an eight. Sort of like uh, that player yeah. who's going to pick it up, look forward, run, and take it, take you on to the next phase. Split yeah. open your midfield a little bit and 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 hook up with someone. I don't think he's quite got the the markings of a number ten, and he's definitely not got you know the sort of reliability to be a Kante uh, in the middle yeah, bit. Yeah. But in someone that's going to pick it up and take it forward, I think you know I think he's he's got something about him. Uh, but going great, so we're all in agreement there. Ruben Loftus Cheek on the <laughs> plane. 
<laughs> he makes it. He makes it. Saying that though, Nick, you've got a good point about Fulham picking up form, and now I think only three points behind Newcastle. So the RLC effect, eh? Um, my one. <laughs> My wild card... It's, it's coming home. Someone that's not really in the conversation at all, I'd like to put forward Ben Mee as Burnley's ben Mee. captain. I think centre-back is the most troublesome position for England. I think if you look at Stones, he's been really out of favour over the last year or so. He's only really just in this season found some form and some reliability. Yeah. Uh, Maguire had a terrible start to the season and obviously that was all clouded by sort of off-field antics as well that was happening you've got other centre-backs that you're looking at thinking are they that strong which is why I think Gareth went for the five at the back to have the three centre-backs there to sort of you know solidify what is a bit of a leaky position there's not been that kind of Ferdinand and Terry reliable solid partnership at England for a while now yeah if you're going to play three at the back you need some options, you need some strong leaders, and therefore I'd like to put forward one of the best defensively organised players in one of the best defensively organised teams, and that's how they've survived all these years in the Premier League, Burnley yeah. captain Ben Mee. Can we pick our dream referee team for the for the <laughs> <Yeah>. Euros? <laughs> Easy. Kevin Friend, Kevin Friend, Kevin Friend, Kevin Friend. <laughs> Ref watch. We can't pick our favourite dream team of referees, Nick, but we can give you five <laughs> minutes for ref watch. <laughs> we'll allow you five minutes to talk about the thing that you really enjoy. Yeah, and no <laughs> we will sit more. And listen. <laughs> no more. Refs are boring. All refs are boring. That is, actually, that is actually true, though. That is true. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, hey, well, I think there's one. To, there's a little incident to talk about um, in that uh, the Merseyside derby, mm-hmm. the Trent Alexander-Arnold penalty. Scandalous! Scandalous! It looked like you know on FIFA you slide in to try and block the shot, <laughs> yeah. but then the striker yeah. just runs into you and it's still given. That's that is controller breaking levels of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but can I tell you why in law that that is a correct decision? No, you <laughs> not want to know. I thought, oh, I, thought rest, it was, I thought it was really harsh. I felt like he slid in, made the tackle, and yeah. then Calvert Lewin kept running and then ran over him, and then it was a penalty. Yeah. And I, I thought yes. that was so tough. He, he he didn't get booked for it, which goes down in the laws as a careless challenge. So a careless challenge is defined here as when a player shows a lack of attention or consideration when ma- making a challenge or acts without pre- precaution. So it's on that borderline. Um, but then there's also another bit that says that a direct free kick is awarded if a player commits any of these offences, and one of which is impeding an opponent with contact. That is it. Sorry, say it again. I totally switched it off. Um, so boring. <laughs> I'm, joking, I'm joking. Off. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> so it's a penalty, I right? It's, I don't know if you'd say like what necessarily makes it a careless challenge because at the time he's sliding in, he's trying to block the shot, but the yeah. time it makes contact, he's come to a standstill, having made a previously careful-ish challenge. Yeah, yeah. I think if you look at the clip, he goes to get up slightly. Like it might have been just just a slight movement upwards, and I think there he's just impeded Calvert Lewin. Um, okay, and I think that's why the why the referee's given it. It did seem strange though that Chris Kavanaugh didn't 
spend that long at VAR. Yeah. He mm. he literally glanced at it and went, yep, and I went back. Um, which mm. uh, uh, Jamie Carragher, when he was commentating, was absolutely stunned by. He just went, oh! <laughs> <laughs> I love his little noises. My favourite my favorite noises was when uh, Alisson was trying to play the ball with his feet against Man City and it was Carragher and I think it was Martin Tyler and they both almost struck a perfect harmony as they both went it's <laughs> <laughs> amazing if you haven't seen it please yeah. check out it is hilarious yeah. my favourite Carragher sound was not a sound but the eye movement when Thierry Henry touched his leg yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a moment what a guy I love Jamie how can you not love Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville both being pundits Such on Sky Sports what a duo what, what foresight and vision to hire them yeah. <laughs> I should say at this point in the podcast that normally every week we do dissect at least one incident of a refereeing decision uh, but unfortunately because we've just got so many interesting things to say and our guests have so many things interesting things to say it's normally one of the bits that gets cut out as we try and make our podcast 45 minutes but because there's no guest on today here we go so i hope you enjoyed that diving in <laughs> to the trent alexander arnold penalty uh, uh nick have you got any questions for us Am I five minutes up yet? Nearly. Be quick. <laughs> uh, yes, I do have two questions for you. Uh, if you've been listening before, I give Josh and Mark two questions from the laws of the game. They have to make a decision based on them being the referee and making the correct decision. Uh, so I've got two for you this week about offside. Okay, Come so on. number one, um, I want you to um, write down so where are you, where you are now, boys? Uh, I want you to write down uh, three things for this one. Okay. Right. So there is no offside offence if a player receives the ball from which three things? There is no offside offence if a player so, receives so the, the ball. So the player in question is in an offside position. Yeah. But it's not being given from these three things. Well, it, it, he he may or may not be in an offside position, but there's no offence if the player receives the ball okay. directly from one of or, or all of these three things. Okay. Okay. Confident, Mark? <laughs> no, I'm not. Because I always feel like I always feel like there's something weird about all the questions. There's always something. And I feel like everything I've written down is sensible. Therefore, it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly the laws of the game. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mark, we'll go to you first. We'll do one each. Uh, so, Mark, what's your first one? So, the player is not offside if he ball- receives the ball directly from an opponent. Correct. Cool. Josh? Uh, easy one, throw in. Correct. I'll go for corner. Correct. If the, if the player is beyond the defence, the last defender and another player is beyond the last defender and the player with the ball passes the ball to the other attacker but passes it backwards so it's not going forwards yeah so receives the ball from a backwards pass yes yes goal kick define goal kick uh, the bit where the goalkeeper kicks it from his goal line <laughs> from the six <laughs> yard box if you, I don't think you can be offside from a goal kick like if the ball's gone out of play it's been yeah. given as a goal kick I don't think you can be given offside from a goal kick. Yep, correct. Oh, wow. Josh, any more? Um, if the player receives the ball anywhere on the pitch, if they're not beyond the last defender. 
<laughs> Say that again. <laughs> if basically, if they're on side. If they're on side. <laughs> uh, correct. Yeah, nailed it. Got it. Amazing. Uh, but not one of the ones I was looking for. Well, right. Have you got any more? No, I think I think I think I've got four right out of three. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So in the laws of the game, so there's three uh, there's there's three kind of uh, dead ball situations really. So throw in goal kick in a corner are the obvious ones, um, and then you've added in for bonus points. Dead ball like that. <laughs> that would make my well, job a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's- it's not my. Uh, it's not my decision to add to the laws of the yeah. game. Um, <laughs> I can only take away from them with my bad refereeing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you've added there. So bonus points um, awarded there. So you said um, directly from an opponent, and if it's played backwards, so you can have a bonus point each there. Thank you. So come on. Well done, boys. Well done. Um, all right. Next question. I'll give you a bit of a scenario. Um, a player is in an offside position when the ball is kicked, but runs back into the middle of his own half to receive the ball. The ref gives the offside, but where should the indirect free kick be taken from? Ooh. A, the place where the attacker was when the ball was kicked. B, where he received the ball. Or C, the nearest point on the halfway line. <laughs> Some deep thought going wow. on here. <laughs> wow! I thought they changed the offside rule so that you, the free kick was taken from the place where they received the ball because that's like effectively where the offence has taken place. Okay, but now that you put the offside, about the halfway, halfway line, line in, that's yeah, I'm exactly exactly the same <laughs> thought process. Exactly the same thought process. Uh, I don't this, the halfway line. It's either a juicy bit of hanging fruit. Or, um, or correct. Um, mm. I, I'm going to say where he received the ball, though. Where he received the ball? Okay. In that, ca- I'm going to, I'm going to go for the low hanging, juicy fruit. I'm going to say halfway Are line you? now. Halfway line, and you have bitten into the wrong fruit, oh! there, Josh. <laughs> Mark I just wanted to win. <laughs> I went yeah, the dirty Mark tactics rather than my heart. <laughs> 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 yeah, so a player um, who's in an offside position can run back into his own half and the offence uh, is where he's received the ball. We would give the free kick even if it's in his own half and it is quite rare mm-hmm. that we do that um, because the offence is normally to do with kind of interfering with an opponent so then that brings the free kick back a bit. Um, all of the time, we give the free kick where the offence occurred. And that concludes Boom. Ref Watch. Uh, well, well isn't it isn't it great to learn and have fun? <laughs> <laughs> Hallowed be thy game. And that brings an end to episode six and series one of Hallowed Be no. Thy Game. Stop it now. Yeah. Not the season, I mean, stop, stop well, it. Well, yeah, we now. have to stop it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's, the that's point. exactly what we're doing. <laughs> Shut down. <laughs> Mark has, uh, has closure problems. <laughs> <laughs> Attachment issues. Uh, but it is the end of the series. Uh, Nick, what have been some of your highlights from series one? 
Uh, do you know what? I think uh, meeting some new people. Um, so I think talking with Kath, um, that has been one of my highlights. Mm. Um, just And I started reading her book um, as well. What a great book. Um, if you haven't picked that up, mm. The Long Win, um, it is absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, she, she's she been a highlight for me. And um, just she, she's inspired me, you know. Yeah, she's yeah, inspired she has. me. The book's a great way of reframing what it means to win. Because like we said, mm. you know, for those those few minutes that you're actually performing as a top level athlete and they can be over so quickly or a simple decision or a simple act by anyone on a pitch or track or whatever your arena is could make or break your perception of winning and so to be able to carry this better frame of of winning has definitely been one of my highlights and definitely something that you know has sort of helped educate me and broaden my horizons in this as well uh mark Mm. what have been some of your highlights yeah, I agree. Some of the wholesome moments have just been so good. Like when we caught Nick boldface lying in episode one. Um, it's just, you know, really wholesome family fun moments. Remember that when Nick, when Nick lied about a redemption player, just made it up, just completely made it up. Oh, On week one. Matty Dubois. I mean, oh. just... People wonder why refs have get, get a bad rep, you know. And yeah, and now we don't anymore. No, we we, we don't. spend we quite a lot of time with one, and yeah. it's very obvious why. <laughs> They're all liars. Uh, you carry on, boys. You'll be in, you'll be in the book, all right? Yeah. <laughs> You're already in the book. You're on the naughty list. Like honestly, the Matty Dubois incident was just—it was beautiful. It was—it 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 was wonderful. It, how it came out in just the guilt-ridden Nick's face when interviewing Andy Kind it was just—I'll take—I'll take that to the grave. It was beautiful. I wish—I've never wanted to be able to sketch so much because I wish I could draw his face and sell it. Because I just—it's just guilt. It was amazing. It was—I feel like—I feel like we, we as the you know as the podcasters, but you as the listeners, we really got to know mm. a darker side of Nick and maybe a darker side of podcasting, but. Just what a day. Uh, what a day that was. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I loved Andy Kind reliving Arsenal's 89 title victory because that it yeah. was the year before I was born. So obviously, <laughs> you know. Good memories, yeah? I don't have any memories. <laughs> but, but like seeing all the sort of coverage of it mm. afterwards and seeing it as an Arsenal fan nowadays, but like what it would have been like, just imagining that whole entire scenario, you can see why someone like Andy is so passionately an Arsenal fan after going through (laughs) what is basically like a cup final victory with the odds stacked against you in a league game. Like, you know, that, that was, that was incredible. And and he was also a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And if you enjoy our podcast and listen to, uh, particularly Mark and me talking, then you need to check out our other podcast, Cathedral <laughs> Music Podcast, all about talking about music and faith, all sort of colliding in together. Uh, you can find that on all the usual podcast platforms as well. But to end the show, as we always do, uh, we're going to go with some fantasy football advice. Now, this is going to be advice that's going to last till the end of the season, guys. So <laughs> who do they n- need to have in their team? Well, big bit of news. Massive double game week coming up with almost every team playing two games apart from a couple. Uh, so sort your squads out, people. Also Grealish down with a bit of an injury, potentially out for a month, uh, mm-hmm. looking for a nice cheap midfield replacement. Uh, and generally just sort of sell Liverpool players. Uh, those would be my three <laughs> top tips, really. Um, get, get them out. Nick, <laughs> save a lot of money there. Yeah, if there's yeah. one player, one or two players that you just can't, not having your team because everyone else has got them and they, they just get reliable goals, reliable points most weeks. Who are the players that they need to be looking at? I think three players 
Um, I think Matty Dubois. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Matty Dubois. No, Kevin Friend. <laughs> um, no, I think um, Martinez, Aston Villa's goalkeeper. He is just points galore. I think um, Ilkay Gundogan. Mm-hmm. He is just um, storming it for Man City. And I think Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. They are three players that you don't want to miss out on. And you can just interchange the captains based on uh, based on those three, I, I think. Um, unless you're feeling risque. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for season one of How It Be That Game. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've loved it, let us know. Send us messages on Instagram at hbtg.podcast. Or drop us an email, hbtg.podcast at gmail.com. And if we get enough love, then we may come back for a second series. Uh, <laughs> but if not, it's been nice. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe we'll see you again one day. Who knows? We'll meet again. <laughs> don't know where, don't know where. Oh, wow, who knew? I think I might just do a cold edit there. And just let that sort of fade us out. <laughs> yeah, it's dark. Just some deep, just a echo, echo, echo. <laughs> but thanks for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. Cheerio! Bye. See you later. A Cathedral Media Group production. We'll meet again. <laughs> don't know where. Don't know where.